Welcome back to the BTS Happy Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea. Joining me as always is Morgan. Hey, what's up? BTS released their new album, B, on November 20th. And they also released the Life Goes On music video. The Life Goes On MV was directed by Jungkook. It featured a mix of documentary-style footage similar to his GCF films, if you've seen those, along with scenes of the group performing at an empty venue. You could tell that this is meant to be a day-in-the-life kind of video. It's showing us parts of their everyday life, which we normally don't see from idols. Like they showed RM outside with his bike and he couldn't go ride his bike. Although you could do that. That's not a outlaw. I'm pretty sure you can do that. Yeah, yeah that that you can do, but you can't perform a, at a concert and a um, bunch of other things. It felt like a behind the scenes look of where they live and how they're doing during the pandemic. And it showed them doing some everyday things like riding a bike, driving in a car somewhere, or you see another member that's there and you say hi, or you're just hanging out in your room. I don't know if they actually still live together all in a dorm, but that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what they showed in the video. <laughs> well, it wouldn't make a good video if everyone had to text each other and, and say, let's go to a one location, guys. But no, I don't think they live together. So yeah, they didn't do the concept that I had thought they were going to do, just ha- have all the separate rooms like mm-hmm. in their um, their concept photos. But it was still depicting pandemic times. There's a scene with V driving around and then he looks over and he sees the dome where they normally perform. He has a wistful expression and you get the message that the members miss performing and seeing fans as a normal part of their job. So that's been taken away during the pandemic. I like that they kept it simple with what they were showing as far as the pandemic. I know that there's some TV shows that are back on TV now that are trying to portray the real life that we've all lived through. And a lot of people aren't liking what that is because it's like, well, we live that. We don't need to see it exactly displayed on film. But I think in this video, they're portraying everything how it was during the pandemic in a very artistic way. And they did it with simplicity and just with just enough to get the message across. There was also the scene where they were all singing in the empty stadium and that really represents how artists have been having to do online concerts or they just perform at a stage somewhere and there's just no interaction with the fans uh, because of how it is right now. So I thought that was an effective scene in the video. I don't know if you've ever tried to make a video, like if you did like a video project or something in class, but it's kind of hard to direct things and make it look logical and make sense. But Yep, Jungkook directed this, and I mean, you could tell the message they were trying to get across, so I think it was pretty effective, and they missed touring and everything, so, and people miss going to concerts, so I think that part of it was conveyed pretty well, and they showed one part where they were going somewhere in a car, and it's like, oh, remember when we would drive in a car to wherever, like going to a concert or something, and... That never happened. (laughs) They're always driven to concerts. They, yeah, I mean... They're never all seven in one car, but I guess that the point Perhaps of that was... they were was, in one car, but they were driven yeah. by an employee. They don't drive themselves. Correct. <laughs> and not in a regular car, in a car where you can't see inside. I mean, it takes it took liberties. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to show the, the van that they come in or whatever. 
It's not going to be all seven of them in one car and one of them is actually driving. No, that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. But it conveys the the, the message, which is that they miss the normalcy of yeah. their previous lives. Yeah, I miss the normalcy. And I, I'm not even missing it. It's like now I'm, people are starting to get angry. It's like, okay, when are we getting our lives back? It's getting ridiculous. Hmm. Cause, and Some people are getting angry, yep. <laughs> I mean, Korea, I think they've more went back to normal than we have. But uh, over here, we still have like a lot of lockdowns and a lot of restrictions. Well, I mean, I think it's an effective video. It's kind of a fan service video. I think the fans will like it, but it's not... Uh, it didn't wow me, but then the album is not sort of... The album wasn't there to wow, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be like a really yeah. flashy or like, right. you know, over the top. Right, it was a very low-key album. Mm-hmm. Overall, the album was pretty good. I wasn't sure if they were going to put Dynamite on it because I was like, well... What are you that- talking about? There was a preview. There was a pre-release. They didn't if say that... If it's not on this album, then what would it be on? It might have been just a single by itself oh, out there. That doesn't really exist, does it? I guess maybe. Sometimes. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. But I thought maybe they wouldn't put it on this album because it's too up-tempo compared to other things they were going to put together with oh, it. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But I think it actually did work well with it, all the other songs, because of how they put the track list together. They had kind of the um, slower songs in the beginning and then the more upbeat songs towards the end. And then Dynamite was the last song. So I think it fit well with the progression of the track list that they put together. So I think it, it all made sense. I don't know. For some reason, I thought Dynamite would just be too different from all the other songs, but it w- actually wasn't. And um, they had put out another video where life goes on. I guess this was like a, I don't know, alternate video. It was also directed by Jungkook, but it was basically one shot and it had all of them in the scene where they're just wearing pajamas or comfortable clothes and it was just all in one room. So I guess... This is a typical type of video. I've seen it before. It's an easy video to shoot. So they'll... I think Twice has done this pretty often. Pretty easy alternate to make. So they just do it. I think it's good that K-pop, they often give you multiple videos, even for the same song. Just gives you more things to look at. What did you think of the song Life Goes On? That's the title song. That was good. I thought the the only two songs that I saved were uh, Life Goes On and what is the other one? Fly to My Room. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two songs that I saved on my playlist. So obviously those are the only two songs that I thought were good. But that's not bad. That's a small album. If you like three songs out of an album, that's a that's that's a really good album. Yeah, and you really like Dynamite. Yeah, Dynamite's still one of my... It's easy to tell on Spotify because it will tell you what you have played on repeat. Mm-hmm. And it's on that list. That's at the top of that list almost. So Yeah, we're going to see uh, next month when they have your Spotify end of the year. Right. You'll know like, okay, which songs did you play the most? Yeah, so I saved three out of... What is it, eight? That's mm-hmm. a really good ratio. As far as the song life goes on, I thought it was really a winner. I liked the vibe of it. I liked that it's very catchy song and easy to remember after only hearing it a couple of times. It was a really strong song. Like whoever wrote it, they did a good job because it had a lot of buildup and it sounded good. And even though it's a slower song, it wasn't boring. It has a good message of encouragement and it 
makes you want to remember the good times fondly, but then it also gives you hope for moving forward. We know that the members came up with Life Goes On as a theme at the earlier part of the pandemic when they were brainstorming different ideas for this album. And we saw that they at first mentioned the phrase Life Goes On during their UN speech this year. So it's really great to see everything tie together now that the album has come out and you can see that all their ideas came to fruition. I also like Fly to My Room and that one, if you remember, it was the music from one of the concept clips. So it's like, okay, I recognize that right away because they used the beat for that. And Fly to My Room, it doesn't have all of BTS on it. That's a unit song with Jimin, J-Hope, Suga, and V. And that song is kind of about how you can't really travel anymore. Fly to My Room really addresses the frustration that people feel during the pandemic. Basically, you have to stay in one room a lot of the time. That's how a lot of us are living, either at home or, you know, you're working from home too, or, you know, you're just staying in one place most of the time. And you also lose all sense of time because you're in the same place and nothing seems different. So I thought the song, it was a really catchy song and it has an encouraging message to feel better after enjoying small things like getting a food delivery or, you know, talking to people online. And it kind of said if you rationalize things like, oh, I get food delivery during COVID, it's not too different than getting delivery at a normal time. You can put yourself in a more positive mindset. Yeah, I like the beat to that one. I feel like overall they used more retro beats for this album. Retro beats? From what era? I well, don't get that sense at all. Like, sort of like Dynamite, how it had kind of like 70s, like, funk beats. Yeah. I think they used but, that in oh, a couple of these songs. The other ones had 70s funk beats? No. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, really? Dis-ease. And it sounded more acoustic and laid back. kinda. Oh. I didn't get I didn't get that sense. It, it felt like Dynamite was the only retro song, which apparently everybody has to do right now. So they fulfilled their quota. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, I thought it was a very strong. I thought it was a strong album. The, my impression of it was that I feel like BTS has entered a more self-assured phase in their career, um, where they don't have to feel like they need to meet anybody's expectations. Obviously, they don't need to meet anybody's expectations. They have a huge following, and they will always have a huge following. And, you know, whatever they put out, people will love. They'll make money. Um, they don't have to try to please anybody. And that's not saying that they make music purposely to displease people. It just means they feel the freedom to just sort of make what they want to make. Um, if I could compare it to something, I would, I would compare it to, if you know anything about filmmaking, there's certain filmmakers who have the same sort of self-assurance and they sort of make the art they want to make you know they're not just hired guns to make oh no. you're hired for a like marvel when, if movie. you know anything about filmmaking if you know what movies the coen brothers make or steven soderbergh those people make films they want to make whatever art they think whatever art they feel like making and they have the fortunately they have the ability in industry to make it i mean people have to give you millions of dollars to make your quote-unquote art 
there's only a few people who are fortunate enough to be in that position. And even the people who are in that position, like Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan has the ability to make whatever he wants to make, but I still feel that he mentally is in a position where he wants to make something that is profitable or pleases people, right? And on the other side of the spectrum, imagine people who direct Marvel films, like the Russo brothers or something. Mm -hmm. They don't feel any freedom to make what they want to make. They need to make a, a blockbuster Marvel film. It needs to have X amount of superstars in it. It needs to have at least 30 witty one-liners. It needs to have five action pieces, uh, one twist, a bunch of explosions. It needs to make a billion dollars. It needs to be a Marvel film. And a K-pop, a, most K-pop acts are like a Marvel film, right? They're, these are money-making operations. So most K-pop acts feel that pressure to be what other people expect them to be, what fits some sort of mold, right? And to make money. But I think this album is BTS not having to conform to that. They just are making music they want to make. Now, is it good or is it bad music? Well, it's good in this case, but sometimes it's 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 bad, right? If, you, if we think about the analogy with the filmmakers, I, I don't like every Coen Brothers film. I don't like every Steven Soderbergh film. Most of them, yes, but not all of them. But you know that whatever they make, it's not because this is what the audience expects of them. This is what the studios expects of them. This is what they need to do to keep working in the industry. BTS doesn't need to do any of those things anymore. And so what you're going to get from here on out probably is whatever they feel like making. And logically speaking, they probably, even for like a year and a half now, they didn't have, they could have done anything they wanted. But even their previous album, I sort of felt like they made a quote unquote BTS album, right? That would meet people's expectations of them and make a certain amount of money and get a certain amount of sales. And that's fine. And I don't, I don't think it's bad. I don't think people who do that are wrong, you know? There's two different ways of going about it. There's there's the people who make Marvel films and there's people who make Coen Brother films, right? You're talking about uh, Map of the Soul 7? Yeah. I, I still felt that was a BT, quote-unquote BTS album. You still heard it in them. Whereas this album, it just it's all over the place, but that's in a sort of good way. It, it feels like this is just what they the music they felt like making. And now they have the freedom to just make whatever music they feel like making. Do you think that was dictated by... The fact that there's a pandemic or were no, they... No, I don't think that. That's why. I think it, it's it's because they're just such big superstars now and they have so much leverage with a the company. They can, they can do what they want. Now, this is not always a good thing. For instance, when the Beatles started making music like this, I thought it sounded like trash. But a lot of people disagree with me. That's neither here nor there. The point is it could sound a lot different going forward what BTS produces than what they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, this being K-pop, Maybe that won't be true. Maybe the next album they'll revert to, oh, let's make a BTS album and it will sort of hit all those notes that people expect of us. On the other hand, they might just start doing things that are more eclectic, that are weirder, that are more specific to their particular interests. And it's possible. Just think about when you go to work, when most people work for somebody else. When you go to work, you don't have the freedom to do what you want to do. You need to do what your employer tells you to do. What if you were an independent artist and you didn't have to rely on anybody for anything? You could do whatever you want to do. And that art, that product, that work would would look and sound a lot different. And I think they're entering that stage where it's going to look and sound different. I don't know that the days of, like, you may not get any more, like, mic drop, you know, something like that. Something that is, oh, this this is a BTS song. They may just feel like they can. They now can just do whatever they want to do. And that's not a bad thing. That is definitely, I think it's an interesting thing because you have a body of work already to enjoy. 
that is your proto you know your bts music so it'll be interesting to see where they want to go they said that this is uh oh it's the pandemic and that's why there's a different vibe to it yeah i don't think that's true i think there's a different vibe to it because this is the type of music they felt like making at this time they may feel like making different music at different times too you know you know you can never say that what an artist will do right but once they have the freedom to do whatever they want to do you can get different stuff it could be spectacular it could be terrible but it won't be cookie cutter and it won't be necessarily predictable i think that's that's the stage you're entering with bts that's what i heard in this album in addition to you know a few really good songs but that was the more significant thing that i took away from listening to this and even the the fact that they let jungkook direct a video that's kind of a large responsibility what if he's bad at it yeah, I've never heard of them letting bad letting a, a member of a group do that. He, That's a lot. Yeah, but it does sound, it, th- that indicates to me that they want to branch out and they want to flex their artistic muscle. And they have the ability to do that. It, it sounded like the, the system that they went with, I don't know if just this time, but maybe other albums too, they had, you know, all the members think up songs or propose songs and then Big Hit or Bang PD, they would decide on what, makes the final cut so that's going to result in a lot more individualized songs because a lot of the songs arise from one person primarily writing it yeah that is that is that dovetails exactly with what i'm saying because if you are super concerned with how the ultimate product making sure the ultimate product is a quote-unquote bts album you wouldn't let the members write all the songs you would have your songwriters at big hit write your songs (laughs) Mm -hmm. right so it, it it just feels like they've entered a new phase with this album. Even though it's a it's kind of a low key, quiet album. Not that's not saying it's bad, but yeah, obviously it is more low key. And that's not saying that oh yeah, anytime you're writing, you know, sort of acoustic low key music that indicates some sort of seismic shift in what's going on with you. No. I mean with some artists that's just sort of the music they do. So that's just business as normal. But with with BTS, it does feel like they're entering some new phase. So this album is a lot more significant than I think people might be giving it credit for. It may be signifying this move towards them as flexing their muscle as artists, moving in this self-assured way, just like a, a director who makes films they want to make. They're not concerned that it makes X amount of money at the box office. They're not concerned that, or, or they're not even concerned that it meets people's expectations of what they are. Like what art they've produced in the past, right? There, there, there are people who are. There's even this is if you're talking about the analogy with movies again. It's it's not simply the dichotomy between blockbusters and art films. There are also people who make artsy films, like I would say Martin Scorsese. He makes well-regarded, highbrow artsy films. Everybody says, "Oh, what a great director!" Even though I don't know why he's not won an Oscar. But anyway, everyone respects him and loves him as a an auteur but he has this body of work that he still sort of tries to live up to there's very few films where he doesn't make a martin scorsese film yeah do you understand what i'm saying he still tries to live up to that image of what we expect from him which is in itself a a confinement making blockbuster marvel films is not the only confinement that artists feel martin scorsese is also in a sort of confinement right 
It has to be gritty. It has to be like right. It has to be gritty. It's probably got some criminals. It probably has Robert De Niro in like every New, other film. New Yorkers. And then when Robert De Niro's not in his films, it's going to be Leo, Leo DiCaprio, right? Mm-hmm. So he has a certain thing that he lives up to, even though he makes quote unquote artistic films. And I feel like BTS is breaking free from all of that and just making what they want to make. And I would I would put them more in line with like Steven Soderbergh, who directs all sorts of weird stuff, and he just doesn't care. And in fact, he retired for X amount of years because he's not tied to making money as a director. He doesn't care about whether he has a future in the industry. He just he does what he wants to do. As long as people will pay him to do it, he'll do it. But if they won't, then they then they won't. And people like that produce a different kind of work. They will often produce unexpected kinds of work. And I do think that you might get some some in, some really novel, out of left field stuff from them. This is a significant album for them, even though on the face of it, it feels very low key. It feels pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. But it was very artistic, and it had we know it had all of the members' involvement in it. Yeah, and I'm not even saying that when they make a quote-unquote BTS album that's just meant to be popular, a more typical K-pop album. And this album didn't sound K-pop at all, by the way. I'm not saying that that's not artistic. It does have a certain art to it, but it may not be the art that the members of BTS want to make. And up until this point, they maybe they didn't feel they had the freedom to just make whatever they wanted to make. But now, I believe they do. You may get something very interesting in the next couple of years. So, yeah. I hope everybody got those. No, not, Nobody even knows those directors, but I, I think you understand. So Blue and Gray, that is a perfect song for an OST. It's kind of a slow song and it takes a, some time to get into. But after a couple of listens, I was finally into it. And I think it's a lot of people's favorite song right now, even though it's one of the slower songs. Blue and Gray was originally going to be on V's mixtape, but the other members heard a piece of it on In the Soup and then they liked it. So somehow it ended up being on the B. It isn't necessarily about the pandemic, but the mood is about having negative emotions weighing on you. So I think it fits with the theme of the album of overcoming adversity. I saw on Twitter that someone put this song as the background of a clip of the last scene to um, Train to Busan. So if you remember, that's like at the very end, the dad who's been bitten by a zombie and then he has to leave his child on the train and then he goes outside and then he turns into a zombie. And so somebody put the, the music for Blue and Gray to that scene. So that fit perfectly because Blue and Gray is like such a dramatic song. Blue and Gray was probably, like, when I first listened to the album, was probably my least favorite, but only because a slow song just takes more time to get familiar with. But I do like this song now, and I think it's similar to The Truth Untold. And then um, they have a skit on there, which I personally don't like when they have audio clips like that, because we don't know what they're saying, because we don't know Korean, so it's... These things aren't translated. It's not like video where you can see subtitles or anything. But apparently this skit was where after they found out they got Billboard 
Hot 100 number one. It was kind of their their like real time reactions to that and what they what they were saying that day. And that was cool that they captured that moment. But I don't know if that needed to be on the album. It could have been a Bang Tan Bomb or something. One thing they said was, oh, when they found out about number one, it's kind of ironic. They were practicing their debut song, No More Dream, on the same day. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, we made it this far. And then we were actually rehearsing our first song. Because they were going to perform that at the Map of the Soul 1 concert. So that's why they were rehearsing it. The next song was Telepathy which I thought that was a really good song. That one was produced by Suga and written by Suga, RM, Jungkook, His Noise, and Al Capitan. I read that this was supposed to be on Suga's mixtape, but it was like one of his rejected songs, but the members uh, heard a clip of it during their show um, in the soup. And then they said, no, you got to like submit that for this album. So that brought it back to being on the album. I can imagine like a lot of Suga's rejected songs are probably like better than a lot of, you know, what's out there and music right now. But um, yeah, Telepathy, it has a really good, that one is one of the ones that I thought had a retro beat and it goes along with Dynamite pretty well. A lot of these songs have a similar theme of about, oh, we can't meet up with ARMY, we can't meet up with fans around the world, but we're still connected. And this, I guess that's what this is about, telepathy. Or telepathy, I know there's some BTS haters out there. They're going to say that this song has too much auto-tune. I already know they're going to say that. But I think Sugar uses it pretty effectively in this song, and I don't think it, I think it works really well. Aside from that, I think telepathy is real. You, that actually happens in real life. I know that's like a controversial thing, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I think thoughts of one person can be transmitted to another person. It exists on some sort of plane of existence. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's something we don't understand, but I bet you, I think it, because I've experienced that. It's like when you know exactly what someone else is thinking uh-huh. and there's like no way they could have guessed that exact thing because it's so obscure. So there's just been like multiple examples where I've experienced that. I'd probably sound crazy right now, mm-hmm. but this this totally is a real thing, telepathy. Okay, dis-ease or disease. I don't know how they want you to pronounce it. This one is produced by J-Hope. It definitely sounds like a J-Hope song. It reminds me of Ego a little bit and some other things that are just like J-Hope focused. But um, it did sound like ego. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I thought, oh, it sounds like ego. Yeah, that one is uh, produced by J Hope, so mm-hmm. I think it's really Makes important. Sense. Yeah, it's really important that we can hear individual members' impact on certain songs. Like you said, I think they're they're kind of coming into their own, producing their own music, and it had a lot of old school, it had an old school kind of beat. 
and it also reminded me of some of the early BTS rap. So I think it was like a throwback in like multiple ways, like throwback to BTS, throwback to like old school hip hop. But I I like that song. That one's really good too. And what I got from it was. It sounds like a song that would play at the end of a heist movie, like at the at the very end when they've they've gotten away with it. Mm. That's what it reminded me of. And then um, "Stay" was I read that this was originally going to be on Jungkook's mixtape, but he decided to use it for this album instead. And it definitely sounded like very youthful song. It sounded like an EDM song, like at a festival, maybe like a what Calvin Harris songs used to be like, just like a fun song that's like a love song. And it had that build up, that typical build up in an EDM song and then a drop at some point. But this is a song where I could picture people at a club or a festival, like jumping up and down, like when it's playing. So that's what that said to me. They said that it's meant to be in like the house genre. So that's what it sounded like. So that is very different for BTS. They don't usually have EDM kind of songs. Although supposedly DNA was EDM. I don't really like put no, it in that category. I don't agree. Yeah, I didn't really put it in that category. I was like, okay, DNA is just DNA, but it's not EDM. But this song sounded like EDM. Mm-hmm. And it was a very good song for being near the end of an album and it sounds like kind of near the end of a set kind of a song so i think that was a good song too and then um the last song on there of course was dynamite That really worked well to be at the end. Like, I hate it when there's a single that comes out and then that's the first song on an album because it's like, oh, I already heard that. So, but when you put it at the end, it makes more sense. And it made sense with, you had the slower songs at the beginning and then the faster songs at the end. And then Dynamite is the most upbeat one. So I think they really built the track list in a way that made sense. Dynamite had kind of a similar message as Life Goes On. But then it was more of a positive bookend to the album. And it's kind of like how when you have fireworks at the end of a concert. I think they did a really great job with this album. I was very impressed with how much work they put into it and how personal it was. And they managed to incorporate retro beats and give us a feeling of nostalgia. But at the same time, it felt very 2020. It felt very of this moment. Even though they had a couple of somber moments on the album, the songs were not overly sad. They even had some fun songs. I think half the album was fun songs. So I feel like it was still keeping with the tone of right now of encouraging people and trying to keep hope in these dark times. You can tell there was a lot of really good production here by the members individually. You could tell which songs had an influence by which person. Like, you know, this song really 
sounds like a sugar song or this one it sounds like a j-hope song or this song is influenced by v or jungkook so i hope people can appreciate what they put together for this and i think it was a very positive creative collaboration that they did and it's a different sound than you would normally get from bts so at a meeting held on november 20th the korea national assembly defense committee passed a bill that will allow top male idols like BTS postpone their military enlistment. So this is the same law that we were talking about before where it said K-pop idols could postpone their enlistment un- until they're age 30 instead of age 28 like it, it is right now. So this is that law and passed through the defense committee. Now it just needs to pass once more with you know the whole assembly voting and then it will be the actual law. Right after BTS's billboard win, Democratic Party representative John Young Gi drafted a revision to the Military Service Act proposing that exceptional artists in pop culture, such as BTS, be granted the right to defer their military duties until the age of 30, made on the grounds that such artists have helped elevate South Korea's reputation around the world. Apparently, there's not any... Not really any opposition to it, so they think it'll probably pass. So that's a pretty good sign for BTS, and they don't have to enlist until they're 30. I mean, we've been talking about this. It's good news, obviously, but I don't think it's the end game. I think that you, you just you just get as many delays as you can, and you keep working on another solution. Just keep wearing, wearing people the down. Idea, <laughs> the, idea, the idea is not for them to enlist at 30, because that only buys them two extra years, right? So yeah. So basically, that's that just push, pushes it off two years. And in this article, did I read correctly that they intend to all enlist at the same time? That's the plan? Did that art, all K-pop article suggest that? I don't think they even know. That yeah. doesn't sound like something they would tell all I'm K-pop. not sure. It would be a good idea, but the, the point is this just delays it for two years. In two years, it's, it's not going to be any better. But it gives them two years to work, keep working on a solution. That's an improvement, though, then then he has to definitely go by the end. Yeah. Jin yeah, has to go. It's by- absolutely a good thing, but th- it's not over yet is what I'm trying to say. They're still working. They want to get a full exemption, and this gives them two years to keep working at that. Yeah, it's that's like, a good thing. We weren't sure they would even get this extension, so that's that's good that they're making some progress. One thing that's notable is that they said, you know, it has to be artists that have gotten some kind of cultural recognition from South Korea. So that's that's going to only be applicable to a couple of artists. So mm-hmm. we know BTS, they definitely have gotten, they've gotten a medal for cultural merit two years ago, the Huang John Order of Cultural Merit. And I don't know if any other groups have gotten that or anyone else who's eligible, but... Um, yeah, BTS has definitely gotten that. So they've gotten the criteria already. It can't just be, okay, you're a popular K-pop group and then you can delay until you're 30. It's it's only going to be certain groups that mm. qualify under that. Right. So I thought that was pretty important that they, they specified. You have to have some kind of recognition from the country before you qualify for that. Maybe they can defer it for even longer, you know, until after their careers are over, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I like the plan that said they can all go at the same time, and but when they're 35 or something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like when they're not at the top, because like this is such a bad time if they right. had, if any of one of them had to right. go 
or even in the next two years, they're still going to be the top mm-hmm. K-pop group. So I, I definitely think they should. They're working on a bigger plan right now. They are. You, you better believe that the big hit is working on a more permanent solution. And I think they have a lot of influence and they, they're able to get things worked out behind the scenes. And you just have to like trust that. But, you know, at the recent press conference for BTS's new album, Jin did say mandatory enlistment is a given. And when country calls, we will gladly respond. And of course, they, they want to serve their, their mandatory military duties. So. But that doesn't mean anything. Of course, they're going to say, you know, yeah. when they're called, they'll do it. Of course, it. you have to say that. They haven't been called, so that may not be for a while now, hopefully. They they can't get up there and say, I really am not looking forward to this, and I think it's stupid law. That's the surest way for them to have to serve. Of course, they're going to say, oh, we're ready to do our duty. We intend to, I don't know how, how they exactly phrase it. Did he phrase it, we intend to serve when called? Like, that is a very precise way of phrasing it, right? Because if you're never called, then you don't go serve. Yeah, they said when the time comes, we right. will serve diligently. Right, but if the time doesn't come, then you don't. Right, <laughs> If right. the time doesn't come, then okay, then cool. Yeah, they're, right? they're very you, good with their you, wording. Yeah, you can't say, I think this is a dumb law, and I'm not really looking forward to it. Is this really even necessary anymore, guys? No, you can't say that, obviously. They, they say what's politically necessary. I do like that they don't just go off with their opinions like they do in, in the West. Like, everybody just pop stars they just say whatever they're actually thinking it's like that's not how you operate in life you know you sometimes you have to just say yeah, what's I the mean, right thing to say well at the moment. i mean they might they might feel that way too and we don't know what they actually think so maybe they do think that way but even if they didn't they shouldn't say no, anything no. negative obviously that's that would be dumb and that's not going to help them get out of it what's going to help them get out of it is their company paying the right people getting the right influence, <laughs> lobbying the right people in the right ways, and making something happen. And that is what they're waiting to do. Their company can handle it. They just focus on being BTS. Yeah. Just because they're not out there saying what it is they're doing doesn't mean they're not working hard to make something happen. They have been and they will be still. This two-year exemption is not the end game. It is just, it buys you two years. It buys you two years to get something more permanent done. That's a, that's a lot of time, though, to, a lot to talk time. to people. It is a lot of time. And by the, by the time this comes up again, my money is on. They'll have another exemption of some sort or delay or something is going to happen. Just, just, just trust me. I do think even if this two-year extension is the best that they get, that's still a win. I think that's still a good a good amount of time to work with and if Jin has to go at the end of this two years then so be it but they've gotten two years out of it extra years out of it that they wouldn't have gotten before so I think that's still that's still a win so we know that girl group Espa from SM has four members currently and I guess four virtual members but there's an insider that said there may be three more members joining the group. There's three potential trainees that are going to join. One is named Helen, who is Korean and Australian and specializes in dancing. And then there's a second trainee named Rhino, who is Japanese and specializes in singing. And then a third trainee who's Korean, who's named Uju who may join the group. So I think that's kind of crazy that 
Okay, the group debuted, and then now they might add three more people, and then are they going to have virtual members too? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the strategy behind it. I think that's like too much change going on. It's like, okay, you have four people, and then it's a different concept to begin with, with the their whole virtual members thing, and then now you may add three more members. So I, I feel like that's like too much going on. It's way too much. I, I, th- I think it's just add some excitement, like, wow, this look at this news. This this thing is happening with our group. <laughs> but it's just, it's too much. Three is a lot to add. But it is good. That I think one of them is Korean-Australian, so presumably she speaks good English. That, that's you need good... somebody to speak good English. Obviously, they probably want to break into the american market that'll be a good addition then to be international uh it makes sense and also like i said before four is a a terrible number for a group four feels like the very minimum number for a girl group i think you need five i don't think i don't think even numbers are good at all yeah even isn't good Even's bad so they either need five or they need seven so i guess seven it is Mm -hmm. um but What's holding it up? Were the people not ready or do they have to get older? What's what's going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Why did they debut then if they didn't have all the members that they were going to say were in it? Like, why say four and then, oh, there's three more? Like, why don't you just wait until there's seven and then say there's seven? No it just feels kind of like rushed and a little bit disorganized at this point. And they already had one video, and then that had the four members in it. So if then they're going to add three more, then that's going to have, I don't know, I guess they need to have another song that'll have everybody in it. I mean, it's that's not that big of a deal. Uh, Red Velvet added Yeri, member, so. Oh, okay, okay. So they they added an, another person later on. Yeah, I mean, you know that. Yeah, they added Yeri. I guess that's maybe an SM thing. I, I knew no that, but I didn't see that happen in real time, but... Um, I, I don't, I don't know what the rationale is. So they had four and then maybe just to have a, an interesting story to sort of, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't agree with it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like everything should be lined up, ready to go. And then, oh, you know, there's going to be seven. And then you announce that because you want people to be fans of all seven of them, not just the first four. Like what if people like the first four and then these three are just like newbies and i don't need I don't to pay attention to them people are it's a new group these other people will come in within six months so yeah well i mean i don't know i'm not running sm maybe they know what they're doing i guess if that's their way of creating more headlines and more excitement about the group then it does make sense to add you know three more people at you know one or two months later then i can kind of understand but are they going to have avatars too, the three yeah, people? Yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, why not? Of course they will. Well, they released a video. And did you think, what did you think of the avatars that they had and, and what, how I the video they were good. looked? I, th- I, I, I'm, I approve of the idea from a business sense. I think it, it just adds another thing to merchandise. Mm-hmm. I know that people criticized it for ripping off KDA, but okay. I mean, more than so, one group can do that, you know? Hey, it's gonna. It was maybe a little bit close, but I don't think it breaches any laws. So SM is safe in that regard. But it does give you the impression. It reinforced the impression that yeah, they're they're trying to they're trying to maximize on what KDA started, which is you know this virtual 
have virtual represent. Actually, I guess that's not even true. KDA, KDA didn't have virtual representations. Mm-hmm. They're virtual characters. Right. You know? It's so, not virtual of the members. Yeah. So, but it is trying to, it is in that same vein, obviously. I'm not upset about it. Yeah, I do think there's a opportunity there to try to get more, like, the gaming audience involved in your, as fans of your group. If you can try to do that, that that's a lot of potential fans and a lot of male fans. So that's something you'd, you'd want to aim for. Probably what they should do is try to get into games somehow. Like, I don't know, not maybe not League of Legends because then that's, that's KDA's area. But Obviously, some, they're not going to get into that. Yeah, some other game maybe or some other way to get on, yeah. a, you know, I mean, Discord or whatever. Gaming is big in Korea, so it makes sense. Well, we'll see what how that turns out, and that strategy was a good idea. Thank you to our guest, Morgan. You can find BTS Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox, Deezer, Listen Notes, and iHeartRadio. New episodes weekly. To support the podcast, please comment and share on social media, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or give us a rating on your podcast app. Follow BTS Happy Hour on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also go to the website at btshappyhour.com. Until next time, this has been the BTS Happy Hour. Thanks for listening, and remember, make every hour a happy one.